0: This is One Path with Metro Health, your toolkit for helping to combat the opioid epidemic as a member of the medical community with empathy, mindfulness, and a big picture perspective. I'm Libby Palaya, educator within Metro Health's Department of Opioid Safety. Thanks for joining us. This week on One Path, we're talking about pain management and the role of the pharmacist, and in particular, how the workflows of doctors and pharmacists can intertwine in order to create the highest quality of care for a patient and the highest level of opioid safety possible. As a case study, we'll be talking to Dr. Mike Harrington, the Director of Palliative Care Clinical Services here at Metro Health, and Dr. Amanda Benedetti, Pharmacy Specialist in Pain Management and Opioid Stewardship in the Office of Opioid Safety. Dr. Harrington explains that palliative care is a relatively new specialty in the field of medicine emerging around the year 2000.
1: It's a specialty of care that's mainly focused on... Um working with patients with advanced serious illnesses, often chronic debilitating, cancer, advanced dementia, stroke patients, um, neurodegenerative diseases. So pretty people with uh, pretty advanced and symptomatic illnesses and basically trying to focus on trying to relieve their symptoms as much as possible, but also uh, the stress of the illness, not just for the patient, but also. For the family as they're all working as a unit to get through these uh, complex medical illnesses.
0: As you can likely imagine, pain management and ultimately opioids are a big part of Dr. Harrington's work, and that's where some adjustments have taken place in his practice.
1: Being the one who's been prescribing since early 2000s, there's been a changing body of sort of literature as well as sort of practice. Um, so some of the teachings that we were getting in the 2000s, you know, probably were not, didn't hold salt over over years, um, such as many things in medicine. So we had to sort of just adjust, you know, who's the best candidate for treatments? Um, what are our goals for the treatments? Are there maximal doses or not maximal dosages? Um, and especially learning which pain syndromes are going to be opioid-responsive and which ones really are not as responsive as we thought they originally would be.
0: Remember last episode when we talked about the peer review process for opioid safety? Dr. Harrington was reviewed by the Office of Opioid Safety and found the process to be, in his words,
1: Very helpful. When the office was first opening up, they were doing peer reviews on on most of the providers. Obviously, I'm based on the practice I have, a large proportion of patients with opioids. It was done by uh, three peers. It was nice to have some clinical support for the the care that we were providing, meaning that they felt that the care was clinically appropriate, but also kind of gave you some tips and viewpoints on ways to make it as safe as possible for patients and, and just ideas on, on, you know, trying to make sure you keep monitoring systems up to speed and, and make sure that you use the tools that we have at Metro Health through electronic medical records, etc., to keep that as, as up-to-date as possible.
0: It was after his peer-review experience when his collaboration with Dr. Benedetti came into play.
1: So, I mean, I work closely with Dr. Amanda Benedetti, who's one of the opioid safety pharmacists here at Metro. Uh, and she's been a, a great support and um, advocate, hopefully, for our services especially for our patients. So they've been um, involved in, in, in a lot of support for the patients as far as literature, literature for the clinics. It also gives, I think, a, a place for clinicians to go with questions, resources, and it's also uh, added a lot of legitimacy to increasing medication-assisted treatment programs, um, monitoring programs, and just really generalized supports for a, a field of medicine that's um, under a lot of uh, scrutiny and pressure as a provider these days.
0: We asked Dr. Benedetti to talk about where her process begins when working with a given patient. She
2: shared that a lot of work goes in prior to even meeting them. I spend a lot of time kind of researching the patient and reading through their chart and finding out as much information as I can um, regarding, you know, their pain history, um, when it started, what they've tried, um, has that worked, has it not worked. Um, I also will review the state's prescription monitoring plan and kind of see their history of how they fill their opioid or their controlled substance prescriptions. Um, then finally, when I, when I do see a patient, when they come in to meet with me, um, you know, I introduce myself and kind of explain why they are there seeing me. Um, I do a lot of education um, kind of in regards to that. After
0: discussing the patient's pain history and getting the chance to ask each other any questions they may have,
2: they'll start discussing pain management options. And then we discuss their pain history and kind of confirm or deny whatever I have found in the chart so that they can kind of expand on that information. Or if I have any additional questions, they can kind of help me understand um, how they've gotten to where they are. After we kind of discuss all of that, um, we will talk about different options that they can try. The ultimate goal is typically trying to reduce the amount of opioids that they are taking. So whether it is um, suggesting some non-medications that may be helpful for them, Or maybe they're on a medication, but it's not at its recommended dose or maximum dose and trying to really optimize that treatment. And then, um, like I said, eventually the goal would be to um, begin tapering or decreasing their opioid medications. Dr. Benedetti's work impacts Dr. Harrington's prescribing
0: choices before, during, and after interacting with the patient. Sometimes they work in tandem, one-on-one with patients. Sometimes Dr. Benedetti is sending Dr. Harrington information on a patient's pain history before they come in. But each time these two are working together, it's because a patient was referred to them due to their complex symptoms, symptoms that may currently be mismanaged by ill-fitting therapy modalities. Dr. Harrington loves having Dr. Benedetti as a resource.
1: Having Amanda there is fantastic because she'll often go in even ahead of me. Um, and she she's, has a lot of experience in medical management of pain. And she'll be able to sort of actually establish rapport with the patient, review the medications, and make sure that we're making decisions based on meds they're really taking. As well as she's got a lot of expertise in history taking to help let us know what she's what patients have used successfully, what they've struggled with. If the patient's going to need some sort of a pain agreement, she's going to help me with that because she has the the technology there with her. But it really is brings to the table what what you know what we're all trying to do, which is to maximize non-opioid therapies first or at least add adjuvant therapies um just sort of keep doses to the the lowest and most effective regimens and levels that we that we can Um, so she's able to do that in person we'll often see the patient either together or i'll come out after i've interviewed them and examined them and we'll sit down and say okay What do you think? Should we increase the medicine? Do they need more medicine? Do they need an antidepressant? Do they need a neuropathic drug? Do they need therapy? Or should we get this person to the surgeon right away? So it's a real nice sort of um, collaborative approach to sort of what's the best way that's individualized for each patient. We then have to start, you know, bringing patients' medications down as they um, are healing, which is the whole goal. Um, She's helpful as far as... You know, just reiterating or using as a resource, you know, we can put our heads together. What would the rate, proper rate of weaning be? Um, Or is it appropriate? Is this this someone who's going to need a medication long term? And just having someone who is familiar with that is nice.
0: Dr. Benedetti and Dr. Harrington shared their perspectives on patient reactions to their style of caregiving.
2: They are often kind of in that mindset. I've been taking this for many years and and nothing has happened. Why would something happen now? Um, And, you know, then I kind of go on to explain how, you know, 10 years ago they were 10 years younger. You know, now they're 10 years older, which, you know, our body changes. And, you know, so a slight... Change in how our kidneys are working could cause that medication to build up in our system and cause a problem. Um, So there's, you know, there's a variety of different things that we need to be aware of.
1: And probably the biggest thing is that from patients is they, they get instant education on their medication. They get instant validation of their medical problems. They get to talk about side effects. They get to talk about, you know, why, you know, we're having this consult to begin with. So I think for that person, they really see it as a another member of the team, which again only enhances their care and and feels like they're getting the best care possible.
2: One of the things that I think is really important with having the patient hear the same message from multiple people is they are often more easily convinced. Um, you know, so if I meet with a patient and I tell them. You know, hey, we we would really like to decrease your opioids by ten percent to make you more safe. Um, you know, this is this is kind of what I have in mind. I'll send it to your provider, and you guys can discuss. And then they see their provider in a you know a week or two, and the provider brings that up to them. One, they've had some time to think about it, and then two, hearing it from their provider um, can really kind of ensure that, okay, now, now two people have told me this. This is, this is probably what I should be doing.
0: Getting a patient to fully believe that cutting back on opioids is in their own best interest can be a challenging, sometimes long road. Dr. Benedetti says that a lot
2: of that resistance is due to fear. They often have the mindset of, You know, if it's not broke, why fix it? Or why change it? It's working for me. It's been working for me for many years. Why do we have to change this? So the two, I think the two big things that I will discuss with patients, one is just providing education, Um, letting them know that, you know, when they were started on these medications, you know, 10, maybe even 15 years ago, that was more of an accepted treatment, but over the years, we have more evidence, and recommendations have changed. Um, just like any other disease state, when we get new um, studies and new evidence, our you know therapies can change. Education is key. The other thing um, that I think is really important for patients is setting expectations. You know, oftentimes the first time I meet with a patient. You know, I may really not have any specific recommendations, or if I do, you know, I let them know, you know, we're going to work with these non-opioids first to try to um, maximize them, and then, you know, maybe the next time that we meet, then we can talk about decreasing the opioids. So it's really kind of building that trust and that they don't think that I'm coming in just to take away their medications, but I'm really working with them to um, to make them feel better and to make them safer. Dr. Benedetti says that understanding the
0: history of a patient's pain is one of the most important things a provider can do to facilitate
2: the highest quality care. I know a lot of providers um, today will inherit patients from other providers who have retired or moved away and maybe on these higher doses of opioids that they're not familiar or not comfortable prescribing. Um, so really kind of learning that patient's history and getting to know them um, as well as you know checking all of the different information that we have available to ensure that patients are using their medications um, safely and appropriately. So checking that state prescription monitoring program database, um, you know, checking back on past um, pain management panels, which is like a urine toxicology screen to make sure that the medications that are prescribed are in the patient's system and nothing is in there that shouldn't be. Um, you know, and just, like I said, just kind of building that relationship with the patient so that there is a nice trusting relationship. She says that another very important tool is a controlled substance agreement. It states that the patient understands that there are risks that go along with taking these types of medications, that they kind of understand and that they accept that risk, and that both the provider and the patient have specific things that they will do, to ensure the safe use of these medications. Um, I guess one other really important thing is to consider the use of uh, naloxone and providing um, prescriptions, um, if appropriate, or you know maybe in all situations, because you never know when that naloxone um, may be needed. Dr. Harrington has three important touchstones that he keeps in mind while evaluating a patient
0: for pain management therapies.
1: You know, trying to stay, at least on the initial evaluation, trying to stay objective as possible. You know, it's easy to be, you know, someone starts to complain of pain, it's easy to kind of shut that down because I think a lot of us as providers haven't had a lot of pain. So it's a a difficult one to to understand what a patient may be going through. But I think in doing that, I think really having a comfort in sort of clearly identifying what the source of the pain is. Is it a physical pain? Is there, is it a nerve pain? Is it a bone pain? You know, what's making it worse? Is there existential stuff in their family? Are they depressed? Are they stressed out? Are they exhausted? exhausted and then and so you so you can really narrow the therapy as 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 targeted as possible if that requires a medication that's great if not trying to find the right um, interventionist et cetera, if needed or other sort of therapies next would be sort of short-term follow-up so I mean it's it is a commitment to these patients if you're going to prescribe them a medication you have to be responsible for the the drug that you prescribe as well as making sure that they get appropriate follow up with you and make sure that they're getting an appropriate result. So if it's diabetes, it's an A one C less than seven, if it's, you know, oncologists, it's to see the cancers get less on your on your CAT scan. So again, what is the treatment goal? Is it gonna be function? Is it gonna be a pain score? Is it gonna be I wanna get them through chemotherapy and 35 radiation treatments every, every you know in a row, you know, get them on the table and back every time. So you need to have some sort of a treatment goal so you know what you're doing is effective, otherwise it's easy to kind of forget or at least lose track of when do I adjust the medicines up and then also you know when do I start to bring them back down and try to get them off of them when appropriate.
0: Dr. Harrington says that he's hopeful about the future of opioid use and pain management, and that's due to work like what's being done by the Office of Opioid Safety.
1: I mean, I think we're seeing that, that you know, defining that there are, uh, there's definitely a role for these medications and, and aggressive education for providers is being done, and that's going to have to continue to be enhanced and done, especially in a in a trainee level, so they feel comfortable with the medications, but also understand when and how to use them. Um, I think also the improvement in education um, when you're struggling with a patient, um, whether it's Their pain itself, whether it's their behavior, um, are they doing aberrant behaviors? You know, we have a lot more resources with the patient. um, Whether it's their pain itself, whether it's their behavior, um, are they doing aberrant behaviors? You know, we have a lot more resources than we did before in the past people to ask, people to get help. And I think that's huge.
0: Next time on One Path with Metro Health. We know pain's an issue. We know opioids
2: have been a big part of the treatment algorithm, probably too much and maybe inappropriately. We have to be accountable for some of the issues that exist in society now.
0: We talk with Dr. Chong Kim of the Pain and Healing Center about non opioid pain management tactics. One Path with Metro Health is a production of Evergreen podcasts, produced, written, and engineered by Hannah Ray Leach and mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman special thanks to Mike Tobin, Carolyn Tobian, Joan Papp, Joya Riff, and the entire Department of Opioid Safety in making this show possible. You can learn more about OnePath, access opioid safety resources, and get connected with our team at OnePathPodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.